16, and you can turn there. John 16. Uh, we're going to start in verse 12 tonight. That the disciples are very fearful and very confused. Jesus is going to, to point out that they don't need to be that way. We're going to talk again about the paraclete, the spirit of truth. Jesus continues to talk about the spirit of truth. Remember, this is seems to be while they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as we've taken a lot of time to cover these um, truths that Jesus is giving over to his disciples, you might say, well, that's a long walk that they're taking to get all of this in. Well, remember, he's talking, giving it to them all at once. We are spacing this out over many, many weeks. But he's referring again to the ministry of the spirit of truth that will enable his disciples and strengthen them to endure in the opposition that he has recently described to them that they will face. And that through prayer, as they pray and ask for his help, that Jesus will provide that and certainly provide that through the spirit of truth. The Greek word again is paraclete. He is a type of advocate. But let's remind ourselves again, because of all that Jesus covers in what the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, does for us, he's a witness that vindicates and judges. He's a helper to us. He's an aide. He's a counselor and teacher. And again, one man, Leon Morris, framed it very well, summed it up and said, the Holy Spirit is a friend who does whatever is necessary to forward our best interests, not our personal desires, but our best spiritual interests. The Holy Spirit does all of this, and we're going to see tonight, he guides the disciples into all the truth, the truth being the understanding of Jesus' ministry and work. The disciples are confused and perplexed. We're going to see this tonight. And Jesus um, comforts them by letting them know that one will come that will help them, give them full understanding and answer their questions. In fact, it'll be described as they don't have a need for questions because the Holy Spirit will do such a good job that all their questions will be, will be taken care of. And so Jesus goes back to this topic about the Holy Spirit. And let's read John 16, just verses 12 through 15, and we'll pray. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Father, as we reflect again on this incredible blessing of your presence within us, the Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to not fear. Help us to not worry and be anxious but to seek wisdom in all aspects of life, to seek your will in every step that we take and every step that we take as a church, even tonight as we get ready for this business meeting, that all that we would do, we would seek the direction of the spirit, of the paraclete, the one that guides to all truth and has that for us and helps us to understand how to walk in the truth, in the gospel, 
of Christ. So, Lord, help us not to diminish his ministry, but to submit, be motivated, and inspired by this wonderful gift of ministry that you have given to us, and take advantage of it and seek his guidance in our lives on a daily basis. Let us be motivated to do that through the truths tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Spirit who guides to all truth. And first of all, we're going to see the Spirit will give Jesus' followers a greater understanding than they currently have in these first few verses, because he will continue, first of all, the discipleship ministry of Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Well, what are those things that he's not able to tell them yet? Well, from the context here, it seems to be um, the, the full description of the completion of Jesus' ministry, his literal death, his sacrifice on the cross, and the resulting ramifications for the disciples, that would be too much to bear if Jesus told them right at that minute. I mean, you think about this. All he said so far is, I'm getting ready to depart from you. And they're all worked up, and they're anxious, and he's having to calm their spirits, and they're self-focused. They're not ready for all of the information yet. They're going to have to experience separation from Jesus. But then after that, his resurrection return, and then followed by the ministry of the spirit of truth that he describes here, that comes from the Father himself will give them a greater understanding. And that understanding, when the Spirit comes and indwells them, will then prepare them for their own ministry of witness, which where do we find that empowering of the Spirit and the, the disciples, then the apostles, further ministry um, enabled by the Spirit? That's the book of Acts and all of their writings that the Spirit enables. So yes, right now, they are not able to bear all of the truth. But when the Spirit comes, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. When the Spirit, at the time where the Lord would, Jesus would send the Spirit to these men, he would provide them all that they need, all the tools for the ministry that God had prepared for them. The truth about Jesus' person and his sacrificial work on the cross, all of this the Spirit would give them much greater understanding. They would be writing Scripture in the future. And um, they would also be enabled for powerful service. Just think of a few examples of Peter and his ministry. And the first after the, after Pentecost and the receiving of the Spirit and his preaching the gospel, and thousands, thousands converted to Christ in one day, and the miracles that they would be allowed to perform, all of this the Spirit would give them enabling power to be able to do. He would guide them into all of the, the understanding that they don't have now about Jesus' mission and what he, they were about to experience in his death and resurrection. He would give all that to him to them. Where did that come from? Jesus describes here, even as we sang that song about the Trinity, here we have a wonderful description that's one of the clearest descriptions of the work of the Trinity, I think, in the New Testament, certainly. 
as the Holy Spirit, as he gives them the truth about Jesus, he does not speak on his own authority. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes, he is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yet here we have the picture of the Holy Spirit submitting to the authority of the Son and of the Father, and the Son submitting to the authority of the Father. And so the Spirit will teach on the authority of God the Father himself. And whatever he tells those disciples in the understanding that he gives, they can be confident that it comes from God. For it says he hears what he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. His teaching comes directly from the Father and the Son and only from them, right? It's nothing human involved in this at all. He'd prepare the disciples for this new, I call it a gospel dispensation, in which he would work through them to lead the body of Christ, the church, and proclaim the gospel work and transforming power of Jesus and the indwelling of the Spirit. That's what that means when it says um, he will declare to you the things that are to come. Of course, you, know, you could take that to its full extent, and the Holy Spirit leading the Apostle John to write the book of Revelation, and certainly that we find out what is to come. But it seems more what Jesus is focusing on here is that he would declare the things that are to come are the ministry that they would have leading the church, proclaiming the gospel, and seeing people saved is the thing that um, he would declare to them. And in this, then, we also continue in verses 14 and 15 to see a picture of the Trinity, but also that he will continue the discipleship ministry of Jesus. The disciples will be enabled to have even more powerful ministry than they had before, and they'll be able to teach more fully the truths of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit continues the teaching ministry of Jesus, verses 14 and 15. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine my teaching, my ministry, and he'll declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Spirit's ministry is to fully honor the Son. And he would take what is the Son's, the word of truth, and declare it to these disciples. And he would continue teaching, the teaching and admonishing work that Jesus had done already, in their lives in a much more personal way, in an inward way, where he would be with them. And um, the gospel could literally spread all over the whole world as this ministry increased. All of this through the power of the Spirit. But again, this picture of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, not acting independently, but wanting to honor the Son taking the teaching of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, and continuing it. And then Jesus again reminds us that this all comes from the Father, that he and the Father share the same truth. They are truth. Well, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Folks, this just stands out to me, although we have this really one of the clearest descriptions of how the Trinity operates it still kind of boggles the mind, does it not, even as we read these passages and see that God, one God, three persons, and how they interact in the submission of the Spirit to the Son and the Father, in the submission of the Son to the Father 
even though they're equal. And we know that's true. Folks, if the Godhead, the Spirit, and the Son give us that kind of testimony, then what does that mean for us in submitting to God's work in our lives? Did the Spirit or the Son make it all about themselves? Did the Spirit act independently? No, he did whatever God asked him to do. So we have to be real careful as we minister in the church so we don't um, get selfish or arrogant and start to promote our own desires and our own thinking in our own ways and want to have recognition, our own recognition for what the Lord accomplishes through us. If even the Godhead, you have the Spirit and the Son submitting, then certainly we should have that same humble attitude and say, it's not about me. Don't, don't give me the glory. I'm just giving to you the truth that I received from the Father. I'm just giving and ministering to you the truth that I received from the Son. Give him all the glory. Don't give me any. Really needs to be our focus and, and our response in ministry. Well, then Jesus, verse 16, gives them another statement here that really perplexes them. And he's going to point out in the end that even though Jesus' followers will have to go through some great troubling times and great grief, that Jesus will provide lasting joy through his own presence and through the extended ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, Jesus says, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Well, you can probably imagine this brings some confusion and questioning. Wait a minute. How can Jesus say that we won't see him, but then later on, we will see him again? That doesn't make sense to us. See, they're not even able to fully comprehend the fact that he will depart from them. So, of course, they're not ready for the rest of this truth. And as Jesus says this, we, uh, John gives us indication about the confusion of the disciples, right? Verse 17. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. And so they were saying, what does he mean by a, a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Now they're confused. What is Jesus talking about here? Let's, let's be clear about that before we move on. We don't want the same confusion the disciples had here. And Jesus will eventually clear this up. Well, it seems best to consider this as his post-resurrection um, revelation, that um, his appearances after he's resurrected, they will see him again in his new body. And so he gives them that hope. Don't think that I'm saying that we will part and I will never see you again, Jesus is saying. I will return. You will see me again. But of course, the whole context of his resurrection and his death, they don't have any real comprehension about. Uh, and, and they're dull in their thinking anyway here. And they don't really want Jesus to know. Did you notice that? They're not asking Jesus at this point. I mean, he is their leader. They're right there. He's prepared this meal for him. You think there would be a natural trust trustworthiness that they would just ask him, but I think they didn't want to look foolish. And I, I can understand this. If you've ever been in a, in a Sunday school class where there's a teacher where they say something and, and you're, you're, you're thinking about that truth, and then they move on to something else, you're still thinking about the truth that they just mentioned. 
And then everybody around you is kind of moved. Oh, and you realize, oh, he just said something else important. And oh, I, I totally missed it. This would happen in seminary classes a lot, where it was like drinking from a fire hydrant, all the information from scripture and God's word. And you're sitting there, you're trying to take notes. And I wasn't the best, the quickest note taker. And I was always kind of behind trying to take notes. Oh, that's good. And all of a sudden I noticed he'd said something else. I'm like, oh, oh I missed that. And I really didn't want to raise my hand and, and have everybody know or, or you know, kind of look dumb. I guess, you know, the pride of a, of a seminary student. So many times you would go to the guy next to you. And when the teacher wasn't looking, hey, can you tell me what he said? Or can you, can I look at your notes real quick and, and write that down? And then while you're trying to do that, you miss something else that he says. And it's very frustrating. I kind of imagine that here with the disciples. They don't want Jesus to know that they don't get it. But does Jesus know? Well, certainly he does. He knows. He's Jesus. He's God. And Jesus knows their confusion here. And he says, verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. And so they, he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? See, I, I see you asking. I see your perplexion, your confusion here. What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Jesus knows what they're thinking. And maybe they feel a little foolish at this point, or they're a little in awe that he again knows them so well. But then he gets their attention on verse 20. Truly, truly, basically, when he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he's saying, this is important. Note this. Don't miss this. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. So Jesus, again, is pointing to the fact that he will depart, and there will come a time where they will have great grief. That word for weep and lament has the idea of expressing great grief, great disturbance, great hurt and pain. And then the world around them will rejoice. Well, that's not very encouraging, is it? Tell your disciples that you are going to go through some very hurtful times soon, and the world around you is going to rejoice at the same time. And I'm sure they were confused. What event would make all this happen? But then he also gives them the hope here. You will be sorrowful. Be prepared. You are about to go through deep hurt, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And Jesus is pointing out here as we continue in the next two verses that his presence will provide lasting joy. Jesus will not leave his followers without his presence. Like we just said, he'll return and talk with them again. But also the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit, will also even further extend the joy of Jesus' presence. He won't leave them sorrowing. Isn't that a wonderful truth that the deepest hurts and sorrow that we go through, that Jesus won't leave us there? I can tell you after a week, like last week, it is true that Jesus does not leave us in our pain and sorrow, but he brings comfort and he brings strength. And he's saying, you will be sorrow, but your sorrow will turn into great joy. And then this picture that we all understand, right? Verse 21, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. For all of those of us who have had children and going through that process and 
eventually all the pain and, and discomfort, but when that little baby, when you're holding that little infant, that little baby, helpless baby in your arms, it's almost, so I've been told by my wife that you, you'd soon forget all of what you went through in that pain and anguish. And that picture here then of the pain and anguish they're going to go through. But what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that after you go through that, there will be such joy that you will forget all of that pain and sorrow. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful promise that through his work, he will turn our deepest, darkest moments of pain into great joy. And he says, verse 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. That's his, perm that's his presence that will return again. And what a hope to hold on to when they literally saw him crucified and disappear from the tomb. To have those words, I will see you again. I'm sure they marveled over it. I'm sure they wondered. But I think it carried them through till he returned to them. And then your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And I think here that is referring back then to the Holy Spirit's extended work of joy in their lives that would last for them, would continue for them for literally all eternity. Um, there is... Um, a song, and I forget the, the, the title, or there's one phrase that stuck out to me about the pain that Jesus experienced, but in the morning, joy comes in the morning. And really, this picture here of the pain that Jesus would have to go through and his disciples, the experience they would have to go through, but his death, his sacrifice for us would literally bring joy eternal, abounding, amazing for us. And that would that will remain in our lives to the indwelling work of the spirit. So folks, as we finish up with this passage, here's one thing that I think that we need to be careful of. Please don't sorrow as people that, that have no hope. Believers have no cause for that because we have the Holy Spirit. The disciples were being directed toward a time when the Spirit would indwell them. We have the Spirit within us. No matter what we face and what we suffer, we can experience the joy and hope of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let him bring joy and understanding into your life through submitting to his work, through listening and asking for comprehension about God's word, Holy Spirit, give me understanding about the truth of Jesus. Help me to understand your word. Enable me for service. And we will have that joy to be able to powerfully serve Jesus and be a useful tool for him. Jesus has given us everything we need in the spirit. So don't complain. Don't be frustrated. Don't be fearful. Go serve him boldly in the power of that spirit. Be thankful for it. Thank the Lord every day that we have the power of the paraclete working in our lives. Father, thank you for this reminder of all the Spirit does. He will guide us into all truth, the truth of Christ and the truth that brings us joy. And we will experience joy for eternity for those that are faithful followers that put their faith and trust in Christ. And then through the power of Christ, persevere to the end. 
we will have joy immeasurable and eternal. And we are glad for that. For it's in Jesus' name.